I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board-certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. Y'all, do I have a treat for you with this episode. I am sharing a portion of our Getting in Touch with Your Intuition class from the Sterling Parents Membership. This is one of our on-demand classes. We invited a guest expert, Kelly Newsom-Georges, to come and talk to us all about intuition and strengthening that skill. And this is one of the most popular classes in our membership. I have gotten so much positive feedback about this lesson. So I am really excited to bring it here onto the Becoming Moms podcast. We're going to share a portion of this class here with y'all in this episode. I think you're going to love it. All right, let's dive in. Well, welcome so much. Kelly Newsom-Georges is somebody I have been so excited to introduce the Sterling parents to. So you have a really cool story. I'm not going to steal the thunder. I just wanted to point out that that you have, you were a lawyer, you also have a degree in psychology that focused on the um, the mother-child uh, relationship. You've studied neuropsychological responses to stress and the polyvagal theory. You have training in mindfulness, in trauma recovery. You have a lot of trainings. But really what is so impressive to me is your, it seems like your entire trajectory of both your personal and professional life has really been one of following your intuition and making some kind of difficult choices that maybe not everyone would make because they were things that were not convenient, right? Like going to, to law school and then changing your career so drastically. That's something that a lot of people don't do. So I would love to just hear your story and how you came to make these kind of big changes that go against the grain, but were right for you. Oh, that's so juicy. And it's such a great way to to put it because if there's one guiding principle that has, I think, kind of created this trajectory of my messy, beautiful life, it really is the intuitive voice. And that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I focus so strongly on it in my own coaching and in my own programs, because right. it's like the wisdom, it's the thing. So, yeah, yeah. um, I will, I was not always so, um, intuitive. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I think I actually uh, have always been intuitive, but I kind of fought it. You know, how you know something about yourself and you're like, well, that's not normal. Like 100%. nobody else knows what that is. So I'm just gonna, you know, um, I knew at a really young age, I knew at age nine, that I was obsessed with birth and babies and women. My brother was born at home accidentally. And so it was an accidental home birth. And I remember it was my second brother. I had another, my first brother, I was kind of, he was tiny and I was on the couch with him. And 
uh, trying to keep him calm. And my mother was actually giving um, birth in the, basically the doorway of the house, trying to get to the car. And, and what's really fascinating about it and also super woo-woo and freaky is that yeah, I kind yeah. of saw it. Like I actually, yeah, I, I described it later to her and she was like, were you watching it? And I was like, no, I was on the couch, but like, I know what happened. And I could kind of see it. And, and I really had this kind of weirdo, almost like past life mid midwife yeah. like what was going on. I kind of felt something so in me, but it was freaky and it was scary. And I was like, Ooh, that was kind of, that's interesting, but it's not a, it's not a job first of all. And it's also not something that I'm going to talk to a lot of people about. <laughs> There's like, this love of birth and babies yeah. was something that you, okay. Yeah, this this real obsession with like, I want to know everything that's going on with birth now. I want to know everything about babies. I want to know everything about pregnancy. So I started, like I read- the At first nine. Edition. Oh yeah. I read the that's first so edition cute. of what to expect. Yeah, about what to expect. I was like, I'm going to read all this. So I read that- How old were like, you when you read what to expect? Uh, 10, I think. I was, I was Oh my young. gosh, I love that. I love that. And I was like highlighting things. You know, I mean, I subscribed to Parent Magazine. I like I, the whole thing. I really, really, really loved it. And again, I had this kind of what, what I now understand as an intuitive connection to this kind of work, but yes. I didn't really understand it. And I didn't think it was responsible because everybody around me had responsible jobs. Um, right. So I went to school and I studied responsible stuff, I studied science, uh, I studied psychology because I loved it, not because it was uh, responsible, but because somebody said, you know, choose a major that you love. You can go, you're going to law school, you can choose anything. And so I chose mother child, you know, still not making the connection, but mother child, you know, attachment sounds fun. I'll, I'll I'm going to go to law school, but I, in college, I'm going to study okay. the, the mother child relationship. Cause that makes sense. Like all, unlike all the other poli sci majors and still not getting it, you know, but I've, yeah. anyway, so went to law school, became an MA attorney and pretty quickly um, realized that was not my calling, Okay. Um, but stuck with it for a while because I, you know, it was, pretty good at it. And, and I really liked the people I worked with, which doesn't happen often, um, but I really, really liked it. And after um, a while, it just kind of became too hard to, to stay. I realized that I'm going to start doing my clients a disservice if I stay here, because I'm not as interested in this as I was before. And so I you know, went into nonprofit stuff, which I liked a lot. I traveled. I took a year off, traveled for a year, came back after wow. a year traveling and said, like, what do I want to do? With, with my life? Do I want to go back to being a lawyer? Or do I not? And while I was a lawyer at the end of that time frame, I had studied yoga. I went to like a private yoga training, um, not because I ever thought I was going to be a yoga teacher, but because I worked all the time and I had no time. And I thought, well, I'll right. become a yoga teacher. I won't ever need to go to a studio again. I'll show them. And so I had this like yoga. That's, if that's not an achiever, like. <laughs> oh man, two hands up. And by the way, um, I not only did one yoga training when they said, who wants to specialize in prenatal? I was like that, that my hand went up. <laughs> I don't know why, but that sounds interesting. And so did prenatal yoga training while I was in that training, I had to become a doula, like childbirth education, you know, uh, certification was required, became a kid's yoga teacher. Like I did all this stuff related to mothers and kids. Yeah. Still not making the connection. Still like, this is fun. I'm going to go be a lawyer. So I come yeah. back from traveling. I decide that I don't want to go back to a law firm. I don't want to start my own firm. What do I want to do? Okay, I'll teach yoga for a while. In fact, I'll teach yoga to lawyers because that's what I used to do. And I can work, I can, you know, see them really early in the morning. I can see them in the evening. I can, I know that life. So I'll just do that right. for six months until I figure out a real job. 
And within six months, I realized it was really good and maybe it could be a real job. Again, intuitively kind of knowing oh, this, this feels good. And that's one of the ways that I think you find your intuition is this feels really good. So uh, kept going down that trajectory. Um, and even then after a number of years in yoga teaching, private yoga teaching and working with private clients, I realized that so many of my clients were really talking uh, and they really needed to talk through different things. And I thought, seems like coaching is really <laughs> the next calling right. of mine. And maybe that's what this whole path has been leading me to. And that's when I started really becoming a mom coach and uh, right. putting all of these train, like seeing how all of these trainings and all of these certifications and these degrees, how do they intersect? You know, what did they really create in this beautiful like blanket that I didn't even know I was, I was creating with my life. And that's how I ended up where I am right now. That's incredible. And you also moved to a small town in France. You're joining us from a small For town in France. For that, yes. Uh, I mean, another intuitive move, I moved to, yeah. the, the, the short version of that is that I married a French who happens to work in the United States, but married him. Um, we have three big bonus kids from his first marriage who lived in Paris at the time. And I said, you know what? All the kids need to be in one country. So at least when he visits, yeah. he's visiting one place. And so I moved to Paris, spent a, a year there because I am a city girl. Yeah. I like the city. And after a year, and we came here, here to Provence and we, you know, spent some time. And two weeks before I went back to Paris, there was something in me that was pulling me back. You know, I, I talk yeah. about intuition as like that still small voice sometimes. Sometimes the loud one that you yes. can't get rid of, in fact. But <laughs> there was this little, this was, I was like, I should pack the suitcase. Mm, not going to do that. I should call the school. I'm not going to call their school. No, no, no. And instead what I did is I sent an email to the little school down the street. And I was like, might you have space for a four-year-old? Yeah. Just wondering. And she said, yeah, come on in, you know, a couple of days and we'll do an interview. And, and it was, it was that little voice and, and it's telling me to investigate this. And then when I realized that the pieces were kind of falling into place, it was a no brainer. I'm going to, I'm going to take this yeah. leap. And that was two years ago before even the COVID stuff. And now I'm real happy wow. then. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I have a I have a pretty similar story of yeah. um really kind of denying the the thing that was, you know, the thing that was I I was kind of right in front of me. Yeah. And I had the experience yeah. of being in I was in medical school and I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon because that's what my grandfather was. Yeah. And I had other yeah. members of my family who were orthopedic surgeons. And then I found myself literally standing in front of one of my mentors who was an OBGYN saying, I'm thinking about OB. And it like, <laughs> it popped out of my mouth and I'm yeah. like, I am? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> right. right, through talking, we hear what we say. Yeah, and I was like, I am thinking about OB. And then it was after that, it just kind of, it, it unfurled. So I, I, I really resonate with what you're saying. And I, th I think that that's so important for people to hear is that even um, two people who have not necessarily felt like they were intuitive people for most of their even adult life yes. can, can, can actually, once you really welcome in intuition, you start thinking about it and you, uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, once you kind of know what it feels like and, and um, start designing your life in a way where you can really listen to that voice that it doesn't have it, it can come in pretty quickly I feel okay. like I don't feel like it has to be this like 
uphill struggle to figure it out. It's like, actually, it's very simple, but our modern lives really make it difficult sometimes, um, even though it's right there with us all the time. Yeah. yeah, my the time I spend researching on Amazon has gotten drastically small because I'm like intuitive, that's the one, that one. I'm not reading <laughs> six, you know, 68 reviews of things anymore. It's more like six to eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. We definitely have to talk about that, that what that feels like too. I'm excited to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. For, for those who are at the beginning. What is intuition? What does that mean to you? What What is it and what is it not? So that's a, that's a really good question and it's incredibly hard to define. Yeah. Right? But it's hard to define because it's so intangible and because it, even more so because it's really individual, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. almost different for everyone. So. Yeah. Generally, intuition is considered some kind of a knowledge or wisdom without any logic or conscious reasoning, right? It's that, yeah. it's that um, feeling in your stomach almost. It's the feeling in your heart. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like to think of it a little bit as an inner GPS. It's kind of guiding you different places. Ooh, um, Ooh that's knowledge. good. Yeah, right? Energy um, PS. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But what I think is my, my favorite, actually, you know what? I'm going to go even simpler than that. I'm going to talk about it the okay. way I talk about it with my daughter who's six. Okay. So yeah. she and I discuss intuition all the time because I really wanted her to have a very strong um, belief in her intuition because she's very intuitive, but, and she's at okay. such a young age now that I can encourage it instead of having her, not that my path wasn't fun, you know, it's a long way around though. So maybe she can go a little more direct. <laughs> Yeah, and for sure. There's a, there's a wonderful story. Do you um do you read Close to Tinkola Estes? Women, the women who run with the wolves. No, I, um, I, I don't think it. I have. Okay, I have it. So this is this is like my Bible. I love this for any woman who's in who's interested. Oh, I have I have 100% seen that book, Women Who yeah. Run with the Wolves. Okay, I'm a very visual person, so when you say it, I'm like, right. I haven't heard of that, and then I see the cover, and I'm like, oh yes. I have. I've read it a million times. And one of the best stories in the beginning is about a little girl named Vasiliza. And it's essentially like a little red riding hood kind of story. Um, okay. And this little girl, you know, she's a mother who dies and gives her this little doll and says, keep this in your pocket. It'll help you figure out where to go. And then, you know, her father marries the wicked stepmother and the evil stepsisters and the whole thing. They run out of fire because yeah. the father dies. The mother runs out of fire. They send her into the woods to go find, you know, Baba Yaga, the witch, and give her, ask her to give you more fire. So I'm reading this to my daughter. Yeah. And what happens in the story, as you might imagine, is that she gets lost in different places. And, and she thinks, the doll's in my pocket. Which way is the doll telling me to go? What is the doll telling me to do? How is the doll telling me to react to what I just saw and felt? And so when Sage is confused about something when she's not sure I'll say like what is the doll in your pocket telling you every mm. now and then she'll say like the doll in my pocket is telling me to have candy but most of the time <laughs> she will say, yeah. like, right? the doll in my pocket's telling me like even little things like I want this shirt or the doll in my pocket saying like I shouldn't play with that person or you know it, it but it's a really oh. interesting visual way of like what is the doll in your pocket telling you and I feel like I can use that Right, to just have a visual of 100%. is there somebody like on my shoulder telling me what to do? So inner GPS, um, heart and soul knowledge, doll in your pocket. These are all ways to think about what is that still small voice inside of you telling you because that is your wisdom. 
Okay, let's pause here because I want to share a free resource with you. If you are pregnant or trying to conceive, you probably want to make sure you're doing everything right. And of course you do. It's your baby and you care deeply. Problem is there's so much information and opinion about what you should and shouldn't do. And many find themselves overwhelmed trying to sort through all the information. Information overwhelm is real and adds a lot of unnecessary and unhealthy stress to your pregnancy. Is this sounding familiar to you? I know how important it is to you to get everything right in pregnancy. This is why I created a completely free class to help you reduce stress and optimize your wellness in pregnancy. It's called Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to reserve your free seat and be sure to show up to the live session because I'm sharing my beloved pregnancy sleep guide and we have a chance to enter our raffle. Don't miss this free class. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com. All right, lovelies, let's dive back into the episode. And I also yeah. like to think of it a little bit, not as the opposite to intellect or information, but as a complementary force. So when I teach right, self-care, right. I talk about how we have, I, talk, I use a model of a self-care tree so that you have these big branches right. where you teach or you think about the intellect and the information that we're constantly getting all the time. And then you have the trunk, all the time. which is intuition. You know, it's, it's your core. Okay. And then you get your roots, which are more your instincts. But I really like this intuitive intellect balance because if the top half of the tree is too huge and you don't have a good core, it falls over. You know what I mean? Yes. And you're so yes. flooded with information. You know, I call it the curse of the overeducated mother. Anybody heard of that? Mm. Anybody felt that before? <laughs> Back yeah, to Amazon yeah, reviews yeah. of like how many Seriously. Amazon reviews have to do for like a teether. And right. when you have that strong connection with your intuitive voice, you're not sending, you know, I don't know, 17 texts to all these different friends saying, which one should I do? What should I do? Right. You're not right. asking a bunch right. of other people for their approval, for their opinion. Um, you're really able to kind of sit almost quietly and still with yourself and say, what is yeah. it that I want? What feels good to me? What direction do I want to go? What's the doll in my pocket telling me? Exactly. And that's, I think what you're bringing out here is really that quest, that questioning of yourself is such a, you know, you, you have to question yourself. You have to listen to yourself. And then, you know, there's that trust component of, of being able to trust what you hear. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. I, so bring me, Talk me through this 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 tree metaphor again because I really want to to solidify that. I think that's really helpful. So what you're saying is is that there's um, there's kind of the branches of the tree are the information, the intellectual knowing, yeah, and then the trunk is the intuition. Where does the intuition, mm -hmm. and then you were saying the roots are the instincts. Instinct. Talk me through what is. Yeah, talk me through. I I told I understand the like the the information. That's really where you're like gathering the the you know all the information. There's all the that. action is the obvious action, like the birds and the. <laughs> it's where all the things are happening, yes. right? Yes, yes. And then um, your intuition and your instincts are what ground your tree. Yeah, that's yeah, right. okay. and 
And it's a really subtle distinction between intuition and instinct. I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. What's, the difference? What's the difference? And everybody can think about it differently. I tend to teach it as intuition really being your core. The program that I sell is called core care because that core of who you are is so important in sustaining right. um, and sustaining who you are and sustaining your life. But it's, it's really that, again, kind of the heart portion of the body. And okay. when your core is strong, you know, any wind, any storm can come along and it's not knocking you over. You think about those redwood trees right. like in California, you know, that are, have a really solid core, yes. super flimsy. And so I think of that as, um, as, as your core. And then with the roots, with this instinctual part of yourself, it's, it's more reactive, re reactive. It's more reaction. Okay. It's, it's, it's that gut, okay. like, oh, I know what to do, you know? Okay. And intuition is totally. more paying attention. It's kind of how I think about it. So I yes. think of instincts as like reaction and intuition is paying attention. You almost have yeah. a little lag time. Like I can kind of think my way through this. Instinct yes. is you're walking down the street and you see the person and you know you're not supposed to be next to the person. You know you need to go the other way. I, I love that. Dis that distinction is so important, right? Because I think that there is, when we when we don't separate that 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 instinct and intuition, what so many people believe is that intuition is just this gut feeling all, all the time. Right. And that, right. that there, there's certain people who just know. And what I, I think that when we have that idea of intuition is it's, is it's always a, just like an immediate knowing. I think that no, you're not able to necessarily develop that you can you can't really do the instinct is something that it's a gut thing that just happens to you and the important thing is to be paying attention and and to listen to it but intuition is something that you you can't necessarily tap into a gut instinct it's kind of there right. and you have to let right. it be there but right. intuition is something you can tap into by actually it's an inner voice it's an inner wisdom it's something that you can question it's something that you can you can ask you know, if, if I had asked and you had asked maybe a little early in our life, what is my life showing me? That is where you can tap into that intuition, that, that, that greater wisdom. And I love that you make the distinction between, between instinct and intuition that way. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think of it really as it's something you can cultivate, you know, and I hear this a lot with mothers who say like, especially around their kids, I just don't have intuition. I just don't have it. Everyone has yep. it. You do have it. Everyone. Yeah. It's just, you know, can have you cultivated it? And this is why, you know, and I know that you share my complete obsession with self-care, what we call yeah. self care rituals. I teach them as care rituals because the word self-care just irritates me because I so cliche so many places. But, it is, it is overused for right? sure. It's overused. But yeah. when you, when you get down yeah. to the core of it and you have these rituals that really work for you, um, one of the things that's so gorgeous about that is that I always teach that self-care is just, it's the relationship you have with yourself. It's yes. cultivating. Yeah. How do I relate to who I am? And I love the analogy. My husband says I should write like an analogy calendar because I've got so many of them. <laughs> I have like an analogy a day. The analogy <laughs> I love for this is that it's really like kind of dating yourself. So you might yeah, walk okay. into like a cafe and you see somebody and you're like, oh, I, I really like that person, but you're probably not going to marry them 2.5 seconds later. You know, you want to kind of flirt with them and then ask them out. And then you're going to talk and you're going to listen and you're going to hear, you know, and hopefully you're going to you know, keep going out and then maybe you'll fall in love and maybe you'll decide to, you know, stay together the rest of your lives. This is exactly what self-care does. You know, you kind of date yourself right. five yeah. minutes at a time. Sometimes one hour at a time, you create this space for yourself and you 
hear yourself. You pay attention to yourself. You get to know yourself. And I'm betting that every woman who does this, every person who does this will fall in love with themselves. If you can do it without judgment, because we're all awesome. I, I love that. And here's what I really love about that. I think that when we don't do this, have these rituals where we spend time with ourselves, um, ourselves, when we don't create that space to have a relationship with ourselves, the person that we think we are and that we're in relationship is the person who is busy and going about and doing all of the things and kind of engaged in the stress of everyday life. And that is not our, that's not our true self, right? That's the personality. That's kind of the ego going through and and checking all the boxes. And when you don't actually spend that time and nurture that relationship with yourself, you know, yourself is just this, this busy kind of person who is stressed out all of the time. And then that's the story you're telling about yourself to yourself. Does that make sense? It's a shell. It's the mask. It's, it's, you know, what's the suit I put on every day. And I love the idea of, you know, when you come home, well, a lot of us are still at home, but when you you yeah. know, go into your own quiet space and you go into the bathroom and you take the suit off and you close the door, who are you? You know, yeah. who are you? And can you spend time with that person? Yeah. And I will say that when you disengage, I mean, at least for me, when I disengaged from the busy me, you know, the me that like had to go to medical school, had to t- be the top of my class, had to like check all the boxes and, and be the externally successful person. When I started to disengage from that human, um, because continuing was, was to, when I transitioned to motherhood and also trying to keep that person um, alive, it was too painful. Um, but what I found is that I would, I was still so hungry, um, for like, I had gotten into that habit of doing all the things. And that when I tried to engage in this, this other deeper self, oftentimes it was like, Ooh, it's too, it's almost too powerful. It's almost too much. And it's just like, I want to, I what do I need to do? Let me make a to-do list. Let me do some research about a product because this voice is maybe telling me some things that like I don't want to engage with. So do you have any advice for for tra- make, making that transition? Because it will pull you, That the productivity and the doing pulls you um, and it can be tough. Well, it, it's a really good point. And I think it's important to remember that there's nothing, you know, wrong with productivity and with doing that it's really about engaging in more of this kind of quote unquote feminine energy of receiving and of allowing. Um, I think that we can balance that. We, we can have sort of the, the doing and the productivity. That's the very masculine kind of energy. And that doesn't have to be a man, but it's a masculine type of energy. And so I think it's really about balancing those, those feelings and, and asking yourself and really being clear on this, what, feels good. Like what really feels good to me? Does it really, really feel good to do all these things? Because just noticing and paying attention, what feels really good without any judgment, without any judgment, because we might say, well, yeah, checking off my to-do list feels great, but that's because we're judging ourselves if we don't check the list off, (laughs) you know? Such a good point. You were feeling like 
I didn't get enough done. I, I, yeah. Oh yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. And I think what's really important to remember when you're evaluating, you know, what feels really good to me and, and uh, am I doing this without judgment is remembering that judgment is really the voice of other people, that it's not your own. And so there are a couple of, there's one test, especially that I love. <laughs> I mean, that, I just want to pause for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so good. And it's yeah. so true. It's almost as if we have implanted people inside yeah. of our own brains. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We have, and it, and it, and it shocks, like, like when I work with clients and I introduce this idea for the first time, they're like, that's not my voice. Nope. No, it's not. And if you search, if you search enough, like I'm sure you're going to find whose voice it is, but not necessary. But if you're interested, you can probably figure out yeah. whose voice that is because it's not yours. You were not born as somebody who sees a lot of babies being born, right? I was a doula. You're, you yeah. know, we do babies aren't born with that. <laughs> no baby is born so with that thing coming out. It's just, it's, it's somebody so else's true. voice that we integrate and we take on as our own. Because you know, when you're a small child, that's how you yeah. start to find your identity is you take on the you know identities and the, the voice yeah. and opinions of other people. So yeah, remembering that that judgment is really the voice of others. And and one of the the little tricks that I like to, to play around with is this idea of the desert island, um, the desert okay. island test. So that is, if you don't know what feels good to you, if you were literally on the desert island, what would you do? If you could do anything, Okay. What would you, would you do? That doesn't mean you can spend all day doing it in your everyday life. We have to pay right, taxes, right. you know, yeah. but <laughs> what would you do? What would you want to do? What kind of life would you really, really, really want to have? You know, I, love um, that. I think that's, I think it's really important and remembering that it can be uh, a lot of different things, you know, like I don't want to clean up the quinoa that's upstairs on my floor, but yeah. I'll do yeah. it. I'll do it. I would rather do something else. And that gives me a little bit of, okay, well, if I want to do something else and how can I do more of that other thing and less of yeah. this, other, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean I'm not going to drop all my responsibilities. And when we introduce this idea of bliss, and I know you talk about this a lot, doing the things that make you yeah. feel good, doing more, getting yourself permission. Yeah. The <laughs> people recoil in fear. The mother's, oh, I can't do that. Then I'll be lazy and I will be responsible. And I want to, no, you, you'll, you'll still, you'll still feed your kids. I'm sure. Yeah. You will. You'll figure it out. Yeah, But you just start to ask yourself, how many times do we not even ask ourselves, how do I feel? What do I want? So true. You know, and for those of those um, moms or whoever's watching this, who says, well, if I'm on the desert island, you know, it's kind of hard for me to imagine. This is my other favorite test. Okay. What if uh, it's great for people pleasers, not if you were on the desert island alone, but what if whatever you're wrestling with, whatever decision, whatever um, just choice, that, that whatever issue you're struggling with. What if yeah. everybody loved option A? Does that feel good? And what if it's not, what if everybody loved option B? You know, just what if everybody yeah. loved the little, what the still small voice is telling me? I have a client yeah. who was planning on moving and really wanted to move to this one place, but kind of didn't want to leave the other place. And I'm not really sure. Maybe I don't want to live there. And it was like, what if everybody loved the idea of you moving to this place? And she was in. And what if everybody loved the idea of you staying? Wow. And there was a little voice that was like, but I still want to go. I still, I still. It's your wow. answer. That's, it's your answer. That, is such a, that is such a powerful tool. I, I mean, yeah, because it really reveals things to you, right? When yep. you think through yep. that and it's like, yep. oh, this is this is what I really want to do. And it's really just the opinion of 
the opinions of others and and how it might how other people may take it or be impacted by it that's really holding me back yeah and it doesn't mean that you can't take other people into consideration surely right. not you know but it's about actually let's be very clear on what you want and what's what your inner voice is telling you and let's separate out what you want from your concern about how other people will be impacted and then you can actually make a decision that says okay how do i how do i want to weigh these different what i want versus what other people want how do i want to weigh that and navigate that that decision so i think that's a really really powerful way to tease out what I want, you know, what I want from other people. And that's so difficult, especially for those of us who have been socialized as women, because we have, we have been trained since we were little girls that Mm -hmm. being a good girl means making other people happy. Right. With curls on. (laughs) Exactly. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to want to help people and want to make other people happy but it can't be our entire identity because then I mean there's I mean obviously there's many many different implications of that and one of the things that I really wanted to tie this back to was this idea that the one of the voices inside of our head this the the judgment is the voice of other people and it what really stood out came up to me for that is okay we have kids basically what you're talking about here is if we allow ourselves to be in touch with that 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 little voice and if we are able to explain that to our kids as you have described doing for your six-year-old daughter what a powerful way to help our kids always understand what that judgment is and where it comes from and hopefully not not have our voice be the one that's in their head as the judgment right Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Becoming Moms. I hope you really enjoyed this discussion. Now, if you are a member of SterlingParents.com, listening to this on the Sterling Parents Private Podcast, hang on because we have more. Uh, Kelly is going to share how to build your confidence in your intuition and how to tune into your intuition in your daily life. For everyone else listening to this on the public podcast, thanks for listening. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you are serious about optimizing the wellness of your pregnancy, then you definitely need to get your hands on my free guide, Self-Care Rituals for Pregnancy. This guide is filled with my favorite stress busters and wellness boosters for pregnancy. And along with the guide, I'm going to send you a short email series with my favorite tips for optimizing your pregnancy wellness. To get your hands on this free guide, head over to the Sterling Life com slash pregnancy self-care. All right, lovelies, until next time.